This is but one of a thousand true crimes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to A Thousand True Crimes. Uh, you're with Chelsea and my lovely co host, Joe. Hey, guys. This is actually take two. Um, yeah. <laughs> my kid had a bit of a, a mishap of a too a much. Puke tea. situation. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, I can't. I can't. Um, but, well, anyways. I'm going to tell you, it's not about to get less nauseating. That's that's your cue, y'all. If you can't handle it, get on out right now. Um, we're actually doing something a little different today. Due to my work schedule, um, I was unable to actually research anything. And so Joe stepped in, and she's going to be handling the case. So I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I'm actually – I've been excited. Chelsea and I have been talking about this for a while because I've been like, I want to do a case, but – She's so good at it that I'm, like, intimidated to, like, because she does such good research. And I'm like, oh, I'm just watching this documentary. That's about all I'm doing. So uh, That's all I do is I watch a TV <laughs> show and then maybe do, like, again, the first two Google pages and then I'm out. Um, <laughs> well, so, yeah. fortunately, this case is pretty comprehensive in the documentary. So I got oh, a lot well, of information good. from that. But before we get to that, I mean, I know it's been a crazy night, but you've had a good week? Yeah, it's been a crazy week. I mean... I'm I'm so checked out. My brain is like I cannot handle anything else. Yeah, but. yeah. I I would say the one perk of this week has been, I mean, this week has been a, it's been fine. Like it's not you know, nothing to write home about, but it's fine. But today, the fall weather came. It did. It came and it was glorious. And it needs this. Ugh. And I looked at the weather because I was like, all right, is this gonna be like a one time thing and go back into yeah. like the nineties? No, it looks like it's gonna yeah. be in the eighties. So. Fall is here. Like Welcome. high 70s, low 80s. I'm super pumped. Um, so yeah, what are you drinking? I see I see a little red there. It's always red. I've got another Cab Sav. It's Chateau Souverain. Okay, so you're not passing French. That's good to know. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I'm learning sign language. You don't have to there you go. for that. <laughs> you don't have that. to worry. <laughs> um... So I went to Publix today. Uh, and... Did you get Winking Owl? No. Oh, I got okay, Cloud Chaser? Oh, no. <laughs> cloud Watcher. Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> that's close. Cloud Chaser, Cloud Watcher, same Dude, thing. That's where the Winking Owl, the red blend that I like chilled, that's where that is. It's the Aldi brand. It's the Winking Owl. Mm, nice. I well, love Aldi. I did too. I got their, um, they had like a hard kombucha. Yeah, yeah. And that was really good. So I've had a couple of those already. So um, before we get into it, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. If you guys enjoy our podcast and you want to like let people know that we exist and to listen, we would love for you to give us a like, a follow, a subscribe, um, whatever platforms you listen to. And then also, if you want to hear more or like see more about what's going on, you can join us in our Facebook group, which is a thousand true crimes podcast discussion group. Or you can find us on Instagram, a thousand true crimes pod. So I just figured I'd throw that in there at the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode instead of the end. Um, but that's all I got for housekeeping this week. Oh, and also, before we get into our case, two things. Gabby. Oh my God. That case. 
my God. We have been following it and everything, and they Super close. officially confirmed her body. Yep. Um, because of a an internet sleuth, like isn't that the wild? That's thing? always how it's. Uh, yeah, it's always how it goes. Um, I don't think they found Brian yet, right? No, Correct? I have no. As of when we were recording, which is I think the twenty third. Yeah, nothing has come out about Brian, but like he for sure did it, right? I mean, in my in our opinion. Our, our opinion. opinion. He is uh, looking pretty, pretty guilty. Pretty damn. Um, and so is his family. They're all looking sus. They are. It's, it's, it's just, it's so sad because we, you know, we don't know what happened. We don't know how she passed. But if you follow the like the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. um, there's people that think he might have killed two other females, two other girls. Holy shit! I haven't so, heard this yet. Yeah, there. He was seen at a bar. And then two female, two women went, like, disappeared, and they were found murdered. And I, I haven't, I, no, it's unsolved. I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. I've seen people talk about it, but I haven't done any research on my own. Um, because it's just, it, it's a very, like, coincidence type thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. if he is innocent, I don't want to put anything out there. Um, He's not innocent. I know, but he, I don't, he's, I don't think he's innocent in Gabby, but he could be innocent in those two women's murders. True. True. So that could be, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. if you like go down that rabbit hole, it's definitely out there. And then there was another one. Um, Come into the group and start a thread and tell us what you found so we can talk about it. That would be awesome. Seriously. And then there's another one. What is it called? You talking about Crystal? No. Because nothing's news happened. Nothing new has come no, out about that. It yet. was one we did, and I can't. Oh, so we also okay. So also we have not actually covered this case, but Kristen Smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe that a judge has ruled that it will go to trial, and um, Paul Flores and his dad is being charged in her murder. Good. And in her disappearance. So Good. two true crime Good. updates. Yeah, seriously. And and um, I believe the podcast is in our own backyard. Okay. And that's a, okay. they really, like, they're the ones that really, really got Kristen Smart back into the public eye and everything. Okay. Like that, so. I'm going to have to listen to that one. I haven't listened to that one yet. It's really good. But just wanted to say, you know, we're aware. We know what's going on. Yeah, we're, we're here. One is her. I did you watch the whole police video of for Gabby? No, I watched I didn't. the whole thing. It's, it's so triggering. I mean, it's definitely a toxic relationship, and like, I if know. you are in that abusive type relationship, you definitely need to get out. Um, it's easier said than done. So um, much easier. Speaking from firsthand yeah. experience, <laughs> but you definitely like. It's just, it's heartbreaking because that was his fiance. So like, the families knew each other. And, and she lived with his family, and his yeah. family has obviously aided and abetted this criminal Him. in some way. And even if he, even if it was like an accident, it's like you go, still you gotta need talk to. to the cops. Mm-hmm. And even if and if it's innocent, manslaughter, it, it's manslaughter. manslaughter. If you're innocent, yeah. yeah, like whatever it is, you gotta you need deal to with help it. the family. Yeah. So Ugh. hopefully we'll get some more answers soon. Um, yeah. But all right. So, anyways, Joe. All so right. you want to crack into your um, Here we super go. not intense case? <laughs> yeah, this one is actually really intense. Um, so everyone buckle up. 
Um, so this is actually the case of Allison Botha. Um, I got my research from there's a documentary on Prime that is Allison, a tale of monsters, miracles and hope. And then I also got some information from um, a, a news website, WN Eyewitness News. And then I got a little bit of information from uh, Mail and Guardian. But I have since been informed that this is kind of like a junky place. I don't know. These are all European stories because our story takes place in South Africa. So, um, but those are the three places that I got my information from. Like I said before, the documentary is pretty comprehensive and it is told by Allison. So mm-hmm. I really think that you all should totally listen to it. It's incredible. It's empowering. Um, directed by Uga Carlini. I think that's all I need for the legal stuff. So we go into the documentary and she's she is speaking this quote. I don't know where it comes from, but the quote goes, go to the edge. He said, we're afraid. They said, go to the edge. He said, they went to the edge. They were pushed and they flew. So that's how she starts her story. Mm. So in 1994 in South Africa, in the hamlet of Port Elizabeth, lived a 27 year old Allison. She was working at a travel agency at the time. And she says that at the time she didn't really have any career plans and describes herself then and even as a child as not really having any sort of like grand aspirations. I feel she wasn't that great girl. In, yeah. I feel that. She wasn't great in school and she studied, um, but she studied secretarial for a year after school just mostly to have something to fall back on because that's what her mom like was constantly like, you just got to have something to fall back on. So she went to secretarial for a year. And then she spent the next four years traveling the world before returning home, which this was a huge relief for her mom because, you know, it's worrisome when you have a kid out wandering the globe alone. Yeah. Especially in the 90s. Like there's no cell phones, no Facebook, no Instagram. Well, there's a few cell phones, but not a lot. Okay. Yeah. Unless you're like super rich there's no cell international plans i remember i was gonna say i remember i we lived in the uk in the 90s and having a cell phone that could call to america was a big deal so i can only imagine um and they show pictures of where she went i mean it looked like she really did go all over the world didn't say specifically so then we come to the 18th of december in 1994 it was as she described the perfect summer day She had been at the beach all day. Her skin was still tight from the sun. The salt was still on her. And she and some friends had gone back to her place and ordered some pizza, played games, just generally like just one of those perfect young adult summer days that you have. It's Side note, it always throws me off. I'm like, December, like what? And I'm like, oh, yeah. South Africa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yup. So as the evening came to a close, um, she offered to give one of her friends a ride home. She had had some laundry at her friend's house. So she was like, I'll pick that up. I'll drop you off. Two birds, one stone. So she did that. Headed home. By the time she came back to her house, her parking spot had been taken. So she had to park a little bit further down from where she usually does. No. And she remembers the moment, she says, like it was yesterday. She had her car doors unlocked. And before she realized anything was happening, she felt a knife against her neck. And a man said, move over or I'll kill you. Okay, so side note, ladies. 
unless you're ready to step out of your car, do not unlock your doors. I know. And I know. biggest thing, do not let anyone take you to a second location. Well, and also, I was actually thinking about this. You know, okay, so when I get in my car and I start driving and I go over five miles an hour, my car doors lock automatically. Okay, this right? is the 90s. They don't do so that So in the then. 90s, they didn't have that, right? They didn't have that technology. So, like, now it's not even really something we have to think about. But well, like, I mean, you do because, like, if, if I get into my car, like, it doesn't just automatically lock. Like, I have you, to right. still automatically. And that is a key thing is, like, a woman like you should as soon as you sit in your car it's automatically lock the doors just just lock the doors and, and she actually I talked about this yeah and i don't i don't unlock my doors until i am ready to step outside yeah i mean i'm the same especially at night um but like this is a hamlet like it's like a very small community she, she thought she was safe but yeah don't ever um, go to a second location too that's like well, a big no-no she talks about at this point in the, her storytelling, how a lot of people would, would ask that question. Why didn't you just jump out and run? Because she was in the passenger seat, had to move over to the, or in the driver's scared. seat, had to move over to the passenger seat and jump out. But at that time, she was still processing. Like, she couldn't believe what yeah. was happening to her was actually happening to her. Yeah, she's fucking terrified. Yeah. Or, or just in shock, right? Yeah. Like, just like, I don't even know what's happening. So she do, she does what she's told. Um, he told her he didn't want to hurt her. He only wanted to use her car for an hour. He said his name was Clinton. He asked her if she had a boyfriend, all these kinds of things. And it, it really gave her a false sense of security about the situation. So eventually they're driving around and he stopped and he pulled over another man who got into the backseat of the car. And she says that she remembers looking in the mirror and catching his eyes. And it was at that moment that it shattered any security she had in the situation, replacing it with fear. All she saw in that man's eyes was, quote, dead, cold, evil. Mm. Girl, open that door, tuck and roll. Right, right. You had a better chance, tuck and roll. It was at that moment that she realized she wasn't going to be going home. Uh, I can't imagine. So they drove for a while. And she remembers passing the very last streetlight. It was like her last visage of hope into the darkness. Just the three of them. Finally, they stopped in an alcove. And I'll describe to you a little bit more of the scene later on. Um, but the man in the back seat asked her if she was going to fight. To which she was like, how the fuck am I going to fight? I don't know how to fight. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? Like, it's two of you against me. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. What if you turned around and you just, like, gave, like, that evil, like, grin? Do you know, like, they see, like, if you put your eyes down and you kind of, like, smile? Yeah. If she just turned around and goes, well, yeah, are you? Like, I wonder what, like. <laughs> yeah, listen, I've always considered, like, just farting and burping and just, like, being really gross in general. Like, would that deter them? But you'll find out. I don't think it would have deterred these guys one way or the other. Um. So he brought her into the backseat of the car. He forced her to give him oral and then he forced her to receive it from him saying horrible things to her. Like you guys brace yourself. Okay. Does your boyfriend do this to you? Do you like it? You have the nicest tasting fanny. He gave her a love bite, which is a hickey. Like, like terminology. Okay. That makes sense. He gave her a love bite on her breast and he kissed her. And she said, she said in the interview that her body responded 
And while she knows now that that was just a protective mechanism, at the time for her, it was the ultimate betrayal. Mm -hmm. So like she's crushed, you know, like just crushed. So then the man who was assaulting her called to Franz, a.k.a. Clinton. Mm -hmm. So this is the moment where she realizes that he had given her a fake name and his name is actually Franz. And at this point in the documentary, she names the guy as Tien's. Um, T his name is spelled T H E U N S, but they pronounced it Tien's. <clears throat> so I don't know if like she knew his name at the time because he told her, or if like she's just using his name because she knows it now. But at this point, we find out the other man's name, the man who was a- assaulting her at first, his name was Tien's. So is this the guy that she noticed that was like, oh, shit, this is not going to go well? This was the guy in the backseat. Yeah. Okay. So the guy in the backseat assaulted her first. Right. And his name is Tien's. And then he calls out to Franz. So now she knows that the guy who is the one who had the knife to her neck, he is not named Clinton. Like he told her his name is actually Franz. Okay. Got it. So he calls to Franz and he asked him if he wanted to have a go with her. He said, do you also want to have sex with the lovely lady? And Franz replied, no, I want to fuck the bitch. Mm. Tien's at that point almost chastised him saying, you can't talk to her like that. The man who like just raped her, right? You can't talk to her like that. She's a lady. You must speak properly to her. It's like they're playing a game. But before she knew it, Franz had his hands around her throat. And the last thing she remembers is her bowels evacuating, which honestly, I feel like that's one last final, like, fuck you to those guys. Like, yeah, now you have to rape me with my shit all around me. Have fun with that. Enjoy it. Mm, Hope you get an infection. I hope you get a fucking infection. Exactly. (sighs) So. So she was literally scared shitless. I want to leave that in because I think she would appreciate it. <laughs> Based off of who I understand this lady to be, I think it would make a chuckle. <laughs> She's literally scared jealous. She's literally scared jealous. It's not I mean, that's funny. where that expression comes from. No, it's not. I mean, it's so horrible, Chels. Like, if we don't laugh, <laughs> we're just going to, like, uh, slit our wrists. Like, it's so bad. <sighs> and this is where it gets bad. Are you ready? No. I don't want to be ready. So she wakes up to them stabbing her in the abdomen and pubic area. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. So they, cho- so they choked her out. They choked her. She passed okay. out. Okay. So the last thing out. she remembers oh. is evacuating her bowels. So they stabbed her. She woke up to them stabbing her in the abdomen and pubic area. What she would later was would be told was in excess of 37 times. And then Tien's cut her throat. Franz pushed him out of the way and starts slashing. She remembers in this moment the moon being his, behind his head and ironically giving him this impression of having a halo. He slashed her throat 17 times. 
she was still alive. I mean, she noticed. Go ahead. Was she like trying to fight or was she just in shock? She, she, she was just in shock. Yeah. Like she's alive and she's like, it's, it's like a movie in a sense. Yeah. Like she's watching it happen to somebody else. Oh, just listen. <sighs> just listen. She finally noticed their feet getting further and further away and their voices were getting fainter and fainter. And finally they drove off and she could see that they were throwing her clothes out of the car window as they left. She doesn't remember feeling any pain in this moment, probably from the shock. But she does remember hearing her breathing coming from her severed windpipe. And she said that was horrifying. She says, this is her quote, that realization, that overwhelming feeling of sadness when it dawned on me that I was injured beyond hope, that I was dying, that I wasn't going to live anymore. And then she left her body. All the noise stopped. And this is a very common phenomenon with people who have near-death experiences. I encourage you all to watch Surviving Death uh, just to hear testimonies. Uh, We don't know what it is scientifically. We have no words for it. But this is a very common phenomenon that happens with near-death experiences. She remembers looking down on herself and having almost this choice of being able to go on to the next life or to go back. And in that moment, she realized she wanted to go back. Because she wanted to be like, motherfuckers, I'm coming for you, right? In that state. Listen, I wouldn't. (laughs) I'd be like, you know what? That looks real fucked up down there. I'm just going to move it right along. I'm going to go ahead and say next life. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm just going to move it right along. It's okay. Or can we like skip to like 10 years? Like, is that a thing? Or fast forward mm, like some, some time? Some time, like. But no, she decided she wanted to go back. And so... She said that she wanted a chance to live her life better, which I, I get that. But also, I'm like, she wasn't even living her life bad. Like, she was just she a young adult. She like she was, like, like a criminal this, or something. Yeah, like, like a horrible person. She's just a, a young woman having cool experiences on Earth. Like, I know. But like, she that's traveled what she the says. world. Whatever it takes, right? So then she's back and the horrible noise of her breathing was back. And that's how she knew she was back in her body. She said she didn't have time to worry about that because all she could think about in that moment was how she wasn't going to let them do this to anyone ever again. So she wrote their names in the sand that she was laying on, hoping that they would be caught when she died. And then at the bottom, she wrote, I love mom. I know. I know. I know. And it's summer there, so it's hot. So things are like, it's not like the cold, because sometimes the cold can actually, right. like, people have survived because it's been so cold. Right. Um, so that's And it's not, warm weather there, yep. Yeah, so that's not helping her. Well, it's Australia, I mean. It's Did South it ever Africa, really get but, that cold? But, but same okay. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear me? No. It's South Africa, but. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Okay. Same okay. part of the globe. So then she realizes that there's something wet on her legs and she looks down and she realizes her intestines were actually outside of her body. Somehow in this moment, she had the wherewithal to realize that her denim shirt was within reaching distance. So she gathered, literally gathered up her guts and kind of held them in with one hand and this denim shirt and decided she needed to start crawling with the other 
through what she describes as ash and cut glass. Now, this is why I want to talk about what this alcove was. You know how, like, if you go to, like, like a public lake, there's, like, the public areas. But then there's also, like, the private areas where, like, the hooligans go and have their, like, good times and hangouts. And they don't always clean up after themselves. Oh, so this is, like, a party central and they're throwing beer cans everywhere and beer bottles. This is what I'm thinking it is. There's very few pictures of the crime scene available online or anything like that. Which, like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm thinking it's like one of these kind of like side streets where we're probably like, you know, the locals know about and it's a good place where you can go and barbecue and do drugs and party and drink and get rowdy and people aren't going to bug you. Um, so she's crawling through this sand. And she could tell that she was getting re- we- weaker. And she remember or she had this thought like this moment where she was there where she she was thinking that if she died here her mom would remember or would realize that she had survived a bit and would just have so many unanswered questions yeah like like how much was she suffering what was she doing like how did she get away and she just couldn't do that to her mom like in this moment where she is in agony she's she's still thinking about her mom yes like i can't do this to my mom that's like how you know you were a good mom So she's realizing that crawling isn't working fast enough. So she and the way she puts it is she had to do better, which that's not the way I would put it. But (laughs) girl, you've done like better. You're doing good. You're doing real good. Like, again, if I had that choice and I looked down, I'd be like, that's where I'm going to go back to where I can try yeah what's up Jesus? How you doing? Listen, don't lie, (laughs) Chelsea. You'd be thinking about your son. Don't even play. Pre-sun, hell yeah, 100%. I'd be like, peace out, world. Now I might be a little bit more fire. Yeah. yeah. But I also, and like, we're, it's different. Like the 90s, like true crime, like white girls drinking wine and talking about true crime wasn't a thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. as like popular. Mm-hmm. Like now I know that like the cops will tell you, people will tell you, do not go to a second location. If somebody comes up to me and I even know. with Barrett and they're like, I'll shoot you in the head if you don't She's go. Like, well, you well guess what? You're going to shoot me in the head anyways. Go fucking do it. Go do you it in Target parking lot with all these the people watching. <laughs> yeah, let's go. You want to play? Like, let's go. Because I go right. to very few places where I am by myself. So that's, that's right. Target. Have fun. You got a lot of witnesses. Um, home goods. A lot of witnesses. <laughs> Publix, a lot of witnesses. So, yeah, you want to kidnap me? You might as well just kill me now because, like, I'm not taking you with my son to a second location. Hell fucking no. Hell fucking so, no. thank you. But, again, I say that, and then I would probably be the one to be like, oh, okay. No, and you wouldn't. No, I don't know. But anyways, No, you wouldn't. Don't fucking And I'm not victim-blaming her because, like, no, we, no, no one not. knows how we would react in those situations. Absolutely. No one can predict that. We can say all we want to say, but we're not going to know until we're there. So yeah. So anyways. Okay. So she's crawling on her hands and knees, hands and knees with her intestines hanging out. Well, no, she's holding them in with a denim shirt. So she realized that she's got to (coughs) walk. So she hoists herself up to our feet, guts still held in and everything goes black. So she puts her hand up to her throat to try and feel what's going on. And her whole hand went into the injury. They had, she later learned, they had severed a muscle in her neck. And she realized that her head, quote, 
had flopped right back between her shoulder blades. She took her other hand, not the one holding in her guts, the other one, and literally pulled her head back up so she could see. Now, this is where something happens that I think okay. is the reason. Can we, like, take a breather? For I kind of didn't want to take a breather. I just wanted to sail <laughs> oh, right oh, past okay. it. Okay, okay, but okay. It's okay. We can take a breath. No, we're breath. sailing. We're sailing. We're sailing. We're sailing. Where are it's we okay. at now? I've, I've heard this story like three times. So for me, I'm like, we just cruise past it. But I understand if you need some processing time. Yes. She picked her head up. She picked her head up. She kept going. For, uh, okay. Okay. A fucking okay. warrior. A goddamn warrior. My God. Like. Jesus. How, and how do they not get an otter? An artery. That's not the word. An artery, yeah. That's, yeah, did I yeah. say it right? Okay. No. Yeah, an artery. Like how, yeah. Did, how did she not, how did they not get that? We're going to get to that. Put a pin in that. Okay. So, and this is, so, and, and that actually gets to, and we'll get into that a little bit deeper, um, a little bit later on. But, but this is where this moment happens that she credits with um, being the reason she was able to make it. Um and I think it's the reason why a lot of people steer away from these kinds of stories, but we've heard so many of them where this is such a pivotal piece that I feel like it's almost disrespectful to not include these parts. She believes it's all very spiritual. Um, I'm not one to say. I'm sure that a bunch of psychologists and psychiatrists could probably chalk it up to some sort of dissociative episode or something like that. But regardless, she said it felt like someone was moving her feet for her. And the next thing she knew, she was up at the road and she collapsed into the road. Listen, religion is not horrible. Religion is great. All religions society, can be yeah. Society makes it. Yeah, culture. Brings out the evil yeah. in it. Yeah. People bring out the evil. And there's that saying, I mean, this goes back to like, it's an old, old saying, but it doesn't really go with it, the story. But essentially, like, there are no atheists in trenches, in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and she I don't was think in the she, damn trench. I don't think, and I don't think she would describe herself as someone who is super spiritual. You before. can take that. Yeah. And you can take that out, but I'm just saying that like, no, I think that's such a valid point. Yeah. Like, like she was it, literally, she, she had her abdomen stabbed 37 times and her throat cut 17 times. Yeah. She should not and, have been alive. No, she should not have been alive. And like, I don't know. We're full of energy and there's things in this world that happen that we can never explain. That we can't and, explain. Yeah. And so there's definitely a higher spirit, whether you there's believe There's something. What, whatever you believe is what you believe, but there's, it is not just us. Something, there's something that exists and, yeah. and you and I both agree on this. And, mm -hmm. and I have my I mean, beliefs and you have yours. I know, we believe differently. Yeah. We, we are, we, oh, girl, we are very different. We <laughs> practice our spirituality differently, but like. There's something there, and I mean, I just, again, we've heard so many of these stories where people do credit this to their survival, and so I think it's important, and this is an important part of the story that she tells, so I just think it's an important part to share, but I do think that's yes. why a lot of true crime people steer away from it, because they don't want to get into this stuff. So, finally, she sees a car coming, and it was at that moment that it struck her that Franz and Tians could be in that car. And she realized there was nothing she could do about it. 
She had no fight left in her. She couldn't move. She could keep her eyes open. That was it. But then the car, like, it pulled up slow and then sped off. So she's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to die here. But then she hears another car coming. And this is where we meet Dr. Tian Ellard. Now, his name is the same as one of her accusers. So just for the sake of confusion, we're going to call him Dr. Ellard. Okay. Um, he was, at the time, a 20-year-old vet tech student um, on holiday down in Port Elizabeth with friends. He was a vet. Tech student. Okay. And the first thing they saw was just a naked person in the road. And as he got closer, they, like, realized the carnage of what had happened, and they just, like, went into action. He ran up to her. He laid down on the road next to her. He took her in the hand and looked her in the eyes that were, like, completely bloodshot. Not like not like you just got really high bloodshot. Like, blood was in her eyeballs, like, red. Oh. Um, and the only thing that he could think of in the moment to say was, oh, you have lovely eyes. And he just took off his shirt to cover her nudity and just held her and was just talking to her the whole time. Oh. Allison remembers him as her knight in shining armor. She remembers how much he was fighting to keep her alive. And because he was fighting to keep her alive, that empowered her to fight a little bit longer for his sake. Mm -hmm. So one of the people in the car did have a cell phone and was able to call for emergency services. And they, they said they'd send an ambulance out. And where they were was about 15 minutes away to the nearest hospital. So they didn't think it would take very long. So he just stayed on the road with her, holding her hand, talking to her while they waited for 40 minutes. Did they explain why it was 40 minutes? Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Finally, the paramedics arrive and drove to the hospital. And he rode with her in the ambulance. He kept asking them to, like, go faster and, like, to hurry up. But it just seemed like everyone was convinced that she wasn't going to make it. So they weren't like, and like, so we're that's not why waste. they weren't prioritizing. Mm, anything. God damn it, people. Yeah. So once they got out of the hospital and took her back to emergency, he realized it was the first time he had ever let go of her hand since taking it up on the road. Aww. I know. So then she takes a moment to say that she arrived at the hospital 90 minutes after she had been abducted. The doctors. 90 in the minutes. 90 minutes. Yeah. An hour and a half. This, all this happened in an hour and a half. She, I was thinking hours. Nope. I know. I know. Holy. An hour and a half. Her whole life changed. Could you like imagine probably like to her, she's probably thinking it has to be like two, three days or at least like midnight or Mm -hmm. whatever time. Mm -hmm. And you come to find out. An hour and a half. Yeah, that's like a that's like sitting in a meeting and that person keeps asking fucking questions and you're like, I swear to God, if you ask me one more question, I'm gonna like freak out. Uh, kind of, but I think a little different. <laughs> yeah, but like when you sit there and you're like, this is taking fucking forever and ever and ever, and you realize, oh, it was an extra thirty minutes. Like, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Ninety minutes, start to finish. I'm going to say this is probably a good time for everyone to go and top up on their wine. This is a good halfway spot. Um, she's in the hospital. She's safe. We've gotten the worst. Well, not the worst, but well, the worst is, is out from under us. So everyone go get a top up on your wine. Take a deep breath and then come back after a quick a quick ad break. So the doctors in the emergency room had never seen anyone as brutalized as they sat, saw with Allison. Um, Dr. David Coleman 
which was the doctor and anesthetist who worked with her that night. Actually, like when he was retelling the story, he got really emotional when he was talking about the brutality of the situation. So then he goes to tell us about her injuries. Her throat was cut from ear to ear. Her trachea, or the windpipe, had been cut cleanly through, and she was only breathing out of a gaping hole just above her collarbone. He finished examining this area and then was, like, getting ready to leave, and one of the assistants was like, (laughs) that's actually not all that we have, and pulled down the sheet to reveal her abdomen. She had been completely disemboweled. Not only that, but her intestines had been, quote-unquote, contaminated with sand charcoal and what looked like lamb chop fat they looked deeper inside her abdomen yeah they looked deeper inside her abdomen and realized that in addition to all that the injuries internal left her in such internally left her in such a state that she would likely never have the chance to bear children which like to her that's probably like the least least of her issues yeah because i mean they did a lot of damage to her like pubic area as well Oh, God. So, so, wait, 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 wait. Okay. The stabbing that they did to her pubic area caused such internal damage that she could not have children. Internal and external, yeah. That's how bad they stabbed her. 37 times. Okay. That makes more sense. Because when you're like, oh, we found out that she couldn't have, like, children. Like, oh, well, Okay. But, like, the fact I'm that a knife... They fucked up her uterus and probably her ovaries. They probably and did internal. Probably her vagina, oh, yeah. They probably oh, fucked it all up. And they do good. show... They show tasteful pictures. They don't show super graphic pictures of her recovery in the documentary. And you can kind of see, like, where they probably were doing the damage to prevent her from having children. Okay, 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 okay. That makes more sense. Because I was like, why are they so... Co-? Like, okay. I got it. I got yeah. it. I'm following yeah. you. I'm yeah. I'm on the same track. I'm yeah. very uncomfortable right now. I know. I know. If you can't tell. So okay. anyways, continue. We talked about like what are the odds kind of a situation mm-hmm. in this case that they didn't cut through any arteries and stuff like that. So I just wanted to like add to another like I just wanted to tell the story that was in the documentary to add to that element of like what are the odds of this case. So the surgeon on call was a man named Dr. Dmitry Angelov. So when um, the other doctor, the Dr. Komen, the ER doctor, uh, got touched base with him, they were like, well, we're going to need an ENT for her neck, but the rest you can, Dr. Angelov, you can do that. And when Dr. Komen explains this to him, it just so happened that in the country where Dr. Angelov was from, he was trained as an ENT and a general surgeon. And so he was able to do that surgery then and there that night. Oh, Wow. Which, like, what are the fucking odds? Because, like, so, originally, because normally they wouldn't be able to do that. They would have had to call They would have to call someone and transfer them in, which mm-hmm. is going to be important later, and you will find out why. So remember that this happened. Okay. Um, Dr. Angelov was really struck by, because she had to sign the forms to say that she, and she was on pain medication at this point. Like, she wasn't. She like, had, had to sign the goddamn form. Excuse you, sir. Her guts and uterus are hanging out. I, I'm, I'm gonna but you can how see is she and they show you this? they show you the documents in the documentary is it clear yes and Girl, she was my... able to write her mom's phone number yeah oh my I know okay, okay. I know 
Because, like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, my handwriting, my signature is, like, a chicken scratch normal. Nope. Like, mine would be an X. It is a very clear Allison. And then she wrote mom and then her phone number. Like, her emergency <gasps> contact. Yeah. Oh she wrote that. Gosh. So, obviously, it was an insanely meticulous surgery. Um, they had to, like, literally clean her, like, the every inch I of can't... her intestines. They had to clean them to get them oh, girl. sterile again. But How do you even do that? I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But the, oh. but she made it. She made it. Okay. So surgery. All the doctors chalk this up to a miracle. No one knows how, how she survived. Somehow, when they slashed her neck, by some miracle, they missed all the nerves. They missed the blood vessels where if they had actually hit them, she would have bled out in minutes. Um, and then when they, and they missed her esophagus, and those are notoriously hard to repair. Somehow they missed all those things. In addition to that, despite all the stab wounds to her abdomen, not a single stab wound penetrated her heart or her lungs or her other internal organs. How? Do they not know anatomy? I mean, I guess. And then, you know, they had to put all of her intestines back inside and do all this other stuff. She didn't get a single infection. Wild. Wild. I mean... Damn. I know. Do they call her mom at this point? Uh, yes. Yes. They call okay. Her. Thank God her mom knows. Okay. I, I, her mom is like very involved. So her mom shows up and is there and she's not a super like uh, she doesn't talk in the documentary and she's not mm-hmm. but she's very involved. Involved. In yeah. Recovery. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So the next morning the cops show up. Okay. They so she's were... high on pain medicine and she is like literally 90 minutes of her life has been ruined and they're like and so can you tell us what happened exactly <laughs> exactly so um franz and tians were they were caught they got arrested somehow okay um i'm assuming it's probably because when she was pulled in they sent information out to the cops and they were able to catch him so um the the cops were told they were dealing with a quote-unquote brutal rape case and this cop, Marvin Humpel, who she lovingly calls her cop. She said, that's my cop. He actually knew Franz. And we learn his name is Franz Detoit. He was from a so previous... So wait, 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 wait. How did they know that it was them? Like, was there, like, did she tell them their car? No, she didn't oh, tell them anything. it was her anything. car. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was her car that they had. And then, like, uh, so, like, Marvin tells us is he had already known Franz Detoit from a previous rape charge. And met him and Tians that morning in the cells. Um, they were in the murder and robbery unit. So I'm guessing probably they caught him because they were driving his car. And again, I'm sure the hospital alerted the police as soon as she came in. And it was only 90 minutes. So, like, they couldn't have gotten far. So I'm sure they were okay. just, it was just one of those situations where they were. Okay, maybe they, like, called the mom and, like, what's her car and this and that or something. Okay, okay. Because I'm like, how the hell? There was work going on behind the scenes. All right. All right, South Africa. I see you. I know. So he he actually knew Franz from a previous rape case, and he met Tian's, uh, and his name is Creer, um, which is actually spelled Kruger, which I think is funny, but it's pronounced Creer, that morning in the cells. Um, And... So he came to the hospital and brought like a book of pictures to show mm-hmm. Allison and she was on a ventilator at this point. So she she was able to point to the pictures of Franz and Tians and like write down their names for the cops to let them know that they were the ones who did it. But then when the cops went back to the prosecutor, they were like, 
if there is any possible way that she can actually speak those words, that would make her case so much stronger. So they go back to her and the doctors and they say, if she could tell us their names, that would be better. And the doctors are like, if we take the ventilator out, we're going to fuck up all the surgery we just did to her trachea the night freaking before. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Because, you know, we can't believe women for pointing like, geez. Well, I think it actually was a legal thing because their legal system is a little different than our legal system. So I think it was actually like they just wanted it to be a strong case. I really truly, which I think... You'll they just wanted to make sure it never came yeah. back to being like, yeah. a, in a sense, like a mistrial or in a sense exactly. of like we could go exactly. against it. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so everyone was like, no, you can't do it. But she was like, you know what? Fuck these guys. Fuck my trachea. And they pulled out the tube. No damage was done. And she verbalized the name of her attackers. So the surgery was really good, apparently. And it didn't cause any damage, and she was able to verbalize the name of the attackers as she was requested to do. Mm -hmm. So finally, after, like, countless surgeries, she was able to leave the hospital. She did have to go back every day to just check on everything for a long while. But um, And she describes the memory of of recovery. She says the only thing that she can think of is pain. And while she did recover, she does continue to have ongoing medical issues. But... Well, I... Yeah, I would assume. I know. She did survive... And so now she had to survive the court case. So Marvin tells us in the documentary that these guys were actually on a rape spree and had already raped two other women, but they hadn't killed them. They'd only threatened them. The first woman, it took her a week before she reported the incident. And then the second woman, after they raped her, the woman before Allison, she actually ran out of the building and happened to bump into a police van. And so was able to report it right away. They think that's why they decided that the next victim they had to kill so they wouldn't risk getting caught. Mm. So Marvin, I know. So Marvin gets Franz Franz in the room and tells him that his rights and all everything and all this stuff and that he's being charged with attempted murder. And the guy looks at him and he's shook. And Marvin's like, yeah, Allison's alive. And he just froze. And in that moment, he just confessed. He was like, I can't hide anything. Allison will tell you everything that happened. And then he takes a ring off of his hand hands it to Marvin and was like, here, that's Allison's. It still (gasps) had her blood on it. Oh, fucker. I know. Like, how dare you? I know. This is where we learned that Franz had a wife and child at home. It's not relevant to the case. I just thought it was relevant to everyone hating his guts. Um, Franz and Tians agreed to plead guilty. Um, Marvin still did all the legwork, leg though, okay. and got, you know, all the evidence, took the reports, took pictures, photographed everything just in case they changed their mind. He still did the legwork. And mm-hmm. we come to find out that they had the murder weapon, right, with her blood on it. The next morning, they ate breakfast with that knife still with her blood on it. Mm-hmm. Eggs, mm-hmm. would you like blood with your eggs today, sir? Like, exactly. what the fuck? Exactly. That's so... Oh, God. They're vile he- human beings. Oh, they would have not stopped. They would not have stopped until they got caught. No. Nope. Absolutely not. 
So the trial is forthcoming, and the court asks Allison to get assessed by a psychiatrist, probably to assess damages. Um, she wasn't really ready for that, so it was, like, hard for her to experience that process. She also had to go through this concophony of, like, showing everyone her pubic area, because that's where the stab wounds are. And Jesus, and having, can't photos be enough? I know. Well, that's what I was saying. She had to show it to investigators, have pubic hairs pulled. She had to have, like, pictures taken, like, all these different things. Oh, yeah, and, the stab wounds don't. You know, it, exactly. I know. Like I know. from when I was in the hospital getting surgery, like that's not that doesn't count. I know. Like, it, I know. It's all like well, fuck off. Everyone wanted to make sure this was an air fucking tight case. Okay. And so they had her pubic hair on their hair. So if, like that's just more evidence to secure that they did this. And the whole time she did this like with no complaint. That's something everyone commented on. She just showed up. She just did it. Yeah, because she's like, I want these fuckers behind bars for the rest of their fucking lives. I know. And everyone was just touched by this whole process. Um, Marvin is kind of a hero of the story because, like, he supported Allison kind of above and beyond through all of it. Like, he would come with her to court. He would come with her to these various, like, places that she had to get photos taken. He would always make sure um, that things, you know, he was there with her when things were being done that were a violation of her. And he actually cared so much. So prior to this case... In South Africa, if they were doing like a lineup, you know, like a mm -hmm. criminal lineup, what yeah. the person would have to do is put their hand on the person's shoulder and then you would take a picture of them with their hand on the, the criminal shoulder to identify that that's, that was them choosing like this is the person who did it. And this was the first time he set up two-way glass so that she didn't have to see them and they wore the number around their neck like, you know, what we do now. So, so this was the first time in South Africa that they did that. So, wait, 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 wait. So, if you had to identify your attacker, you would have to go and touch them. Yeah. That's like super fucked up. I know. But it's not that way anymore because of her. Oh, I mean, great. Yeah, good. That's how it should have never been. I know, girl. I know. Because, like, oh, girl. I would I fucking strangle somebody real quick. I know. Or just not do it, right? Or just literally just be like, yeah. Because you're not so fucking go. terrified. Because you're yeah. so fucking terrified. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's. Okay. Okay. And he got yeah. that shit. He got that shit changed for her. Um, and now that's okay, how, and now that's how they do it. They do it behind the like one way glass, and you know they wear the like kind of what we do, right? Yep. Like, well, yep. okay, okay, yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Um. <clears throat> So, and it wasn't just him who was affected by this. Um, Hanalee Baker, who was the prosecutor, she was heavily affected by it. She said that she had to drive past <clears throat> the flats where they lived. And she commented, she was like, every day when I was going to work, I had to drive past the flats where they were making breakfast the n morning after with the knife that they stabbed that woman with. She had to drive past it. And just like the callousness of it all struck her every time she drove past those flats and then the judge chris hansen which we'll get to how he was aff affected by it he was also deeply affected by it but he just remembered the time that she came into the court to testify and you could see the huge scar on her neck i'm sure she still has that scar right actually like you can see you can still see where it was in the picture but she's had a lot of she said she even had plastic surgery so okay, I think good. they might have done some work to redo it. And plus, like, she's much older now. So I, you can okay. see where it was, but it's not like it was if you they showed. It's not so dominant. Like you can when you see the footage of her, you can see that bright red scar across her neck. 
And he commented, it, it, it was like bird blazed in his memory. He said that she took the, she at one point said, I had always thought my neck was a strong feature in my appearance and look at my neck now. And that just stuck with him. Oh so, my gosh. Franz tried to make the claim that he did all this because he was a Satanist and he had demons in his body. Um, okay. At one point while he was incarcerated, he was asked, he asked a priest to come and cast them out. But everyone called bullshit on this, even the priest. And he testified as much to the court. Okay, good. The priest is like, bitch, don't be using this Jesus. Is some, Jesus yeah. is sitting here going, you really want to do this right now? This is some fucking you bullshit. You really want to fucking do this right now. <laughs> like after everything you did, you really want to do this right now. So the day comes for sentencing and the guys are being brought into court for sentencing. And Marvin, he's just got to love this guy. You, if you watch the doc, you will just, he's a good, he's a good cop. He's a good one. Um, He's bringing them in to court and he says, I'm not going to handcuff you. And you'll notice like I'm not putting handcuffs, handcuffs on you because I would just love for you to make my day and run. (laughs) He's like, oh, fucking Take you out. Go ahead. So quick. Yeah, exactly. Just fucking do it. I dare you. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. They didn't run. <laughs> of You'll course notice. not. Because because they're fucking little men. Yeah. Yeah. They're little tiny men that have to prey on women yeah. in a vulnerable situation when they're getting out of their car because yep. they're pathetic. Yep. Even with a wife and a child at home. Yep. I don't. You know. I. I pray for that child. Like, no, I don't want to say I pray oh for the child. But, like, I mean, that child, I hope, does not un- ever understand the full intensity of his Of what father. his father did. Because I feel like that can really affect a child in a very negative way. Absolutely. Um, so, I hope to God that the mother is protecting that child from the truth and... Your dad died in a car accident. Like, that yeah. is what I would say. <laughs> yeah. He is not a part of your life. We are moving on. We are moving forward. End of story. That's all I but got. going yeah. back to these little fuckers. No. Just, no, just go worse. away. You're it a little aunt. Worse. Go away. Yeah. Well, okay. So they were both given life sentences. Okay. Um, Does South Africa do death penalty or no? So... It had already been declared unconstitutional, but the judge did make a point that were it still constitutional, he would have given them death. So he also took the time at that point. He wrote a special note and he's never done it again. And he never did it before this in their Mm -hmm. files that articulated to anyone like parole boards, probation boards, like the guards, everyone. These people are are a danger to society. They committed a heinous crime. Never let them out of jail. And he, like I said, yeah. never did it again. Never done it before. But he was so compelled in this case to be like, these people need to be locked up and we need to throw away the key that he did it for this case. So as they're being sled to the cells, um, the attorney, Hanali, was walking kind of like past so she could hear Tians slammed his hand against the wall and shouted, so here I go, so fuck you all. And that was the first night she had a six-month-old at home. That was the first night her baby slept through the night. And she's convinced it's because the baby also was comforted by the fact that these people were put behind bars. 
Oh my gosh. How do you even defend? Like, could you be, could you imagine being the defense attorney in that and just being like, like, I would just be like. They pled guilty. They didn't need a defense attorney. I, okay. So maybe not in South Africa, but in America, you still have to have a defense attorney or like defend yourself, whatever. But like, could you imagine, like, I would just be like, your honor, I rest my case. (laughs) (laughs) So like, do you want to do your closing statements? You're they're guilty as fuck. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I would just like to present to you the evidence, and that's all I got. And I am really not going to try to defend these guys. Like, and that's it. They kind of suck. So, yeah, have a great time. Bye, guys. I don't know Gotta what go. Else to say. <laughs> so, Allison was, of course, happy that she got justice. Um, She feels grateful that she had a trial because a lot of women at that time in South Africa who were raped did not get trials. Like, they didn't Mm -hmm. even get to go to trial. So she was very grateful for that. But she notes that it doesn't change the fact that they took something from her that night. But, like, okay, first off, not to say that, like, like, it's disgusting that rape victims did not go to trial. That is absolutely disgusting. But she was not just... But this was not just Like, she was not... It was not... A rape This case. was attempted murder. Yeah. This was like, I am going to make sure that you never talk about this again so that yeah. we can, can continue our fucking terror. Yeah. Like, yeah. it is not a rape case. It, it is a rape case. With it's rape some, and attempted murder. It, it, yeah. And she fucking holding her guts in, holding her head up. Made her way to the fucking road because road, she yeah. didn't want to die. Like, it was so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, okay. I mean, did she get, like, Nobel Peace Prize? Because I feel like she saved the world. She did a lot. <laughs> from so, those fuckers. <laughs> they do have this moment right after she says this in the film, which I know was just set up for the show. But it was still, like, a super powerful moment where she's got the box of evidence And she pulls out the denim jacket and she pulls out her clothes and she pulls out the knife and her shoes. And then she pulls out their clothes. Do they say what kind of knife it was? Yeah, it just looks like um, a long, thin kitchen knife. For some reason, a kitchen knife makes it so much worse. worse. Yeah, it, it was just like. I don't know, like a foot long, kind of tapered at the end. Just yeah, like, just a kitchen knife. Because they show it. They show it. So that makes it, like, almost so much worse because it's, like, it's not even a knife that has been, like... Sharpened? Sharpened or, like, a hunting Cleaned. knife or this and that. Well, and that and, might be the reason why it saved her, too. And there's no reason for them to be using that knife to eat breakfast with the next day. That's just callousness and wickedness and awfulness. Yeah, yeah, because there's other breakfast knives you could have used to cream your bagel. So, or whatever the off. fuck they were doing. You didn't have to use that know. one. Allegedly, they didn't even clean it. But I couldn't confirm <gasps> that or deny it. That is yeah. so, like, how? <coughs> They're okay. sick. Anyways. So, sick bastards. So, anyways, so, she's cleansed. She just has like, this moment where she scoops it all off into the trash can. And she just says that was the only remnants of the Allison that died that night that were left. Mm. So, the aftermath. We're going to do a long where are they now. 
So after the case was closed, Allison moved back in with her mom while her body finished healing. It took a few years for her body to fully heal, and she remembers the first time she was able to have her first proper bath and seeing herself for the first time in the mirror with all of her scars. And her abdomen was, it jutted out. It did not lay flat like our typical gut does, which is very normal if you have intestinal issues because they have to pack it back in. And yeah. our bodies are exceptional at packing in intestines, but humans are not a great at Well, it's just like, I mean, it, it, moms out there that might be listening to this, after you have your kid, that shit doesn't just go back to being fucking flat again. Right, right. So because your intestines have been moved and shifted and this and that. It doesn't all just, your like, organs. Yeah. So like So her The her moment you gut, mess with that shit. Her gut like sticks out and has a shelf and she sees a scar on her neck. She's a star scar on her stomach. And she realized that this was the first time because because she was like, I wasn't really able to mourn the loss of what happened that night because it was like I had to survive and then I had to recover and then we had the court case and then I had more recovery and it was just the first time she was able to really mourn the loss of of herself really Mm -hmm. and so she fell into a really deep depression until one day she had this moment where she realized that once she decided when she was faced with death she chose life and that she had to do that again and again ironically on that same day she was invited to come and share her experience with a Rotary Club, um, which is just like a fundraising like community club. And because she didn't want to disappoint them, which kind of seems to be a trend in her story, um, she decided to do it. And she said after her first experience, she realized she felt better and she wanted to do it again. So she did. And she's never stopped. Through the experience, she's been able to heal build a business, help others, travel the world, and truly live her life. And Good one of the main her. things that I know, one of the main things that she teaches in her courses is we cannot control what happens to us in our life, but we can control what we do with what happens to us in our life, mm-hmm. which I thought was really profound. Um, Franz's father died by suicide two years later after he was put in prison, allegedly because he couldn't cope with what his son had done, but... I'm, I'm sure there's a lot mm. more going on there than we realize. Yeah. What's their history? Um, Franz and Tians both came up for parole in 2012. Um, they did not. Good. They failed. They didn't even get to see the inside of a parole board. Um, allegedly, Franz has a fiance in America. And when they came up for parole, she had the audacity to reach out to Allison to try and help her get Franz out. Okay, so girl, get the f- go the fuck away. Honestly, no. Go be with him and get murdered. I Jesus. What the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with you? You are a problem. Get the fuck out of here. This is not ne- this is not 90 day fiance jail edition. No. That fuck is off. a fucking brutal serial rapist. Like, fuck off. Anyways, so. Jesus. Anyways, so. Did Allison, Allison laugh at that shit? of course, did the opposite. And she had to correspond. It was apparently very triggering her when this moment came up. But she was able to correspond with them. And, and, and of course, because of the note that the judge left and, and so many other things, they didn't. That wasn't even an issue. Um, she corresponded with that, that girl? No, no, no. I not, Franz, been like, not Franz. The courts. Like, the courts. No, no, no. To be no like, but Allison. Yeah, Allison, Allison corresponded. No. 
No, no, no. Just the courts. She didn't correspond with Franz. Just like the court system. But no, no, no. Like, but the the girlfriend corresponded with Allison. Yeah. Did Allison respond? No. Okay. Good. Okay. No, 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 no. Good. I hope she kept her mouth shut because Allison's like, I will literally punch you in the face. <laughs> we don't validate idiots in this space. <laughs> so I'm gonna need you to go. Thank you so much. Oh my god. No, but she did she did talk about how it was it was very upsetting for her and, and she did correspond with the courts and, and they, they mm-hmm. weren't let out. They didn't even get to see the inside of a parole word. Um so then at the end of the film they send us a note that says that Franz actually had asked to have an interview with the filmmakers. He asked. They didn't ask him. But he had conditions. One of them was a letter of forgiveness signed by Allison. And the second one was profit shares from Allison's book sales and motivational speaking backdated as he believed when he raped and almost murdered her it was the only reason for her success story. May. So this was the guy. Rot. Rot. This was the guy in the back seat, right? Where she like made eye contact with him. And was no, like, Franz oh. was the one who stole her car. But he was the one who said, I want to fuck the bitch and choked her out. And he was the one who did most of the stabbing and the slashing. So Franz played a game. He tried to gain her trust and then shit. And he believes the only reason she's as successful as she is is because what he did to her and he's entitled to money because of the incredible choices that she made along the way with her journey. That he's he has a right to that. What did the produce like No, he didn't get interviewed. Well of course he didn't interview her him, but like I have no words. Like, I can't even, like, express how angry I am. I'll tell you what. Like, go hang out alone with your fiancé in America, and I'll tell you what, just murder each other. We'll all be better off for it. Jesus. I don't fucking know what to tell you. Oh, but, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So life. he wanted a letter of apology from Allison for what? A letter of forgiveness. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. <laughs> Forgiveness. Because that's so much better than an apology. <laughs> Forgiveness. Because he believes that she would not have had any of the success she had if he hadn't raped and almost murdered her that night. As if none of her choices that she made along the How, way, like the are, time are when she still scooped alive up to her this guts. Day? Are they still alive to this day? Yeah, they're old, but they're still alive. They're still in prison. Neither of them have died yet, but they're still in prison in South Africa. Uh, Allison is, of course, she's giving speaking tours and living her best life. And I you think know she's what, married. Allison, Allison, I hope that... <laughs> I know, I know I she has Allison, a kitty. Oh, okay. But if I was Allison, you know what I would do? I would request a... Okay, no. I mean, I don't know. But if I got that letter and, like, those conditions, I would walk into that jail requesting just to, like, just to see him. Like, I don't even want to be in a room. Like, like, I could be outside of his jail cell. (laughs) I would, like, I'd be like, I just want to be outside of his jail cell. Like, I don't want to, like, I just want to, like, I don't know. I want him to see me. I want him to see me, but I want no communication. Yeah. Type deal. 
And I would just walk in with like diamonds and like (laughs) just all the money dripping off and be like, is this forgiveness enough? And then just like (laughs) flip my hair and be like, fuck you. I know. Hope you have a great time. I'm about to go get some fucking Taco Bell and like peace the fuck out. Well, it is wild. Do you know what I, I mean? mean? Just to kind of be like, South Africa yeah, bitch. prisons, like he has full, and I don't know how those work. He has like full access to Facebook, and she talks about this. Like he has a Facebook profile. Yeah. That's no, that's not no. He should be literally in solitary confinement. Which again, it's South Africa, and I don't know how their rules are, and I don't know how their prisons are. I'm sure they're as dysfunctional as ours, but like also like, why does he have? Fuck him. That's I don't know. Anyways, okay, him. so fuck him, but that's what I'm saying. I would roll up there in my best of the best, diamonds dripping, <laughs> like, look at my money. You're doing so great. You can go fuck yourself. Hand a $100 bill to every inmate except him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And be like, peace the fuck out. Anyways, so damn, Allison, you do you, girl. And that, well, that is the story of Allison Botha. Jesus Christ. That's all I got. Well, that was a long one because we had a lot of commentary, but. A badass fucking bitch. Am I right? Like, oh yes. my God. Girl, I don't even I would have never. Oh. You should watch it, though. You should watch it. We'll watch it when I come visit you. It's not, and they, it's not, like, they don't show crime scene photos. They have, like, reenactments, but, like, they're very tame, like. So, there you go. What's your weekly when? Because it's, yeah. well, it's that's getting late because we had a throw-up situation at my house with the kid. and Shit, what is my weekly when? I mean, I got, <laughs> I got a new plant. <laughs> there you go, girl. I don't know. I have a lot of weekly wins. I'm going out Friday night. Um, I actually feel, I feel like this week has been pretty good. Um, good. I started therapy. That went really well. Um, That's a weekly win to me. I know. <coughs> I think just in general, like it's been like such, it's been a good week. Um, good. I did get a new plant. It's like a black, what is it called? An alocasia or an alocasia or whatever. All the plant people will know what I'm talking about. But it is, it's a black one. I'm really excited. It's kind of rare. So hopefully I'll be able to make that grow. Um, I got to see my Aunt Nita. She's not usually in town, but I was able to see her. Um, yeah. Got a lot of, a, you got a lot of wins. You got a good week. That's a, that's a, good a weekly week. win. It's yeah. a good week. It's a good week. Yeah. Got no complaints. What about you? Yeah. You got anything? It's my Friday tonight. So I'm happy. It's been a long, it's been a long two weeks. We've been sick. We've had, I've worked a lot of hours. I am just, I'm done. Yeah. Tomorrow is your day off. You're going to take him to the beach? Take baby to the beach? (sighs) No, I have to get my second round of COVID. Tomorrow? Mm -hmm. That's why I took off. So that, and that's why I got on Friday because I got, like as soon as I got my, COVID oh, vaccine. Oh, COVID vaccine. Sorry. <laughs> COVID vaccine. The first round of the COVID vaccine, I got like 10 minutes, after, like five minutes after I got a severe headache. Yeah. And I got my arm hurt and I was exhausted. I did not do well. So I'm taking off tomorrow in case that that happens that I can just like put on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and call it a day. Yeah. 
but that's it's it. That's my weekly house. win. Clubhouse. Clubhouse. <laughs> hot inside. dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog for all my family <laughs> moms out there that know. That's we all my know life. that song. We all know that song. Well, I'm not a mom, so. but, you know, we all know yeah. that song. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I hope well, you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope I didn't uh, ruin the vibe too much. I hope I did a good job. Um, no, I feel like I'm not that funny. So, like, you, like, I felt like I was just, I don't know. Oh, you I got to be, you got to be the funny one. No, I just felt annoying though during the whole time. <laughs> no, you got to be the funny one. Being the person on the other side, it's always a chance to be the funny one. When you're telling the story, you got to be serious and focused. You did good. I loved it. Thank you. We'll have to switch off more often. Well, I got to find more cases that I'm interested in. The only reason I did this is because I, like, love this case. And, like, I love this woman. And as I said in the last episode, these are are the women that I think about when I'm just having those days where I'm like, I just can't do it. And then I think about these women and I'm like, you know what? You can. Yeah, I fucking can. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye, fam. Bye.